Why do we get tired on an airplane just sitting down? I don't know. Yeah, baby, the tourney Let's train go. hat is on. If your drum unit goes bad, the whole system fails. My, my <laughs> notes aren't that valuable. Let's go. Trust me, you guys. Just, just please listen to me. Unbelievable. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Next guest is Kalani Sitake, the head coach of the BYU Cougars. Kalani, great to have you in studio on this early signing day uh, period. Great to be here. Looking looking forward to the, this this uh, time to spend with you guys, talking about our recruits. We're excited to talk yeah. about the signees so far. A couple guys still coming in. We'll address them. We're excited because we know we're going to be in warm weather in a couple exactly. days. Exactly. Yeah. Friday. It's going to be awesome. Anticipating right? it. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. We're taking the show. We are <laughs> absolutely stoked. Uh we talked about the the uh, emphasis of this class. It appeared mm-hmm. that it was uh, receiver and running back in secondary. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, we we felt like there are some um, spots. I mean, we're losing three three senior receivers, and uh, you know, we, we just looking at our depth and and um, with the guys that we develop, we think this is a good um, the good additions and the guys that are going on missions. It's a little harder for us. We have guys that we're signing right now, but also a bunch of missionaries that uh, we planned on. Um, on signing, but also going on missions for two years, and, and a few of those even gray shirting after that, like the, some of the guys that are starting in January. So, uh, for us, we have to project not just for this year, but for you know for two or even sometimes two and a half years from now. Yeah, the unique challenge of being the BYU football yeah, it's a lot head of coach fun. for that. So let's dive into some of those uh, guys that have signed so far. We've touched on them with. Jernar uh, Guilford and Fessy mm-hmm. Sataki, and then we'll get to the mid-year additions. But Soljay Mayava, this is a, a big-time quarterback recruit. Big-time quarterback recruit. He committed to us earlier and uh, had a bunch of uh, attention coming his way, and, and I, I have to give him a lot of credit for being um, really committed to us and, and, and uh, pretty much pushing everyone else out. And uh, even you know in the last month and a half or so, uh, guys coming really hard at him and trying to recruit him and trying to just get him on a visit and uh, he he has his mindset on BYU. Um, he had a great visit earlier in the year and, and just felt really connected to this place. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen some of the guys that have been most committed have, have performed the best here. And, and that's the goal in recruiting is to get the guys that fit. And he fits us perfectly, especially what um, we're trying to do on offense. And I think he's a dynamic guy that has uh, tons of potential. Well, and, and one of the things that everybody keeps saying about him, legit dual threat. Like, this guy can do it all. Yeah, I think one of the problems, if you give him time to throw, he'll he'll make something happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm speaking for him, but he didn't have a lot of time uh, when he played this year. But uh, you can see that he never complained about it. He was always a team guy. And, and But if you give him more time, you give him an O-line that, that we have, I think he can uh, make some really difficult throws. And then he has the ability to run and um, very athletic. I mean, there's, there's a reason why he has all the offers that he has. And and I'm just glad he's a BYU guy ready to roll. He could be throwing to Cody Epps one day, the wide receiver from yep. Latter Day. Yeah, and, and Cody is a big-time playmaker. I mean, he you can give him a, a short route, and he'll turn it into a big gain, and he has tons of stats. You look at how many catches he has this year and touchdowns, and uh, I think his ratio for touchdowns from catches is something that would really be fun for us. We can give him the ball. It's like 4-1. to one. Yeah, so we give him the ball four <laughs> times, you should get us a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Terrence Fall is an incredible story we've been mm-hmm. talking about. Kid from France uh, who is Muslim, and the, I, I've been saying it all show, there's a place for guys like Terrence Fall at BYU. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when we went over our purpose as a football player here at BYU and then the mission of the, of the school and end of the church, it connected with him. It's something that he really liked a lot. He and his family 
uh, felt comfortable with him being here. And, and you know, their his family's all in French still, so he's uh, he, he was able to have his um, father and his sister on the visit. And uh, once they got on campus and were able to meet all the people and and realize that that uh, there's a connection from our campus, a lot of people from our campus are connected to France, where he's from. He felt really comfortable. It helps to have a lot of French speakers on campus as well. And so. Uh, but but really the the religion and the connection and everything falls in line with how he lives his life and I just give a lot of credit to our coaches for finding guys like this and then that goes for the whole the whole group of players uh, whether they're LDS or not uh, seeing that this is a place that they really want to be at and, and goes with how they've been living their life already and I think Terrence is going to have an amazing career here. We were just talking with General Guilford, and we're talking to him about uh, Micah Harper, the cornerback out of Chandler, Arizona. And he was his dad. You know, still says he said his dad was his claim to fame was picking off Ty Detmer three times. Still has the poster. The at, day that Ty got the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's on. bragging about it. So, to me. so what, what can you tell us about Micah? <laughs> well, Micah's a, a, a he has great instincts when it comes to the game, and he can play either side of the ball. You know, but I think he he's a guy that. We're looking to make a, a splash for us on defense because of his uh, ability to just be physical. And um, he, he, he's uh, going to be a freshman, but he's got, he's got such great maturity in him. And his football IQ is, is off, off the charts. So I think he's a guy that could come in and compete right away. And he, he, he's used to some big-time football. And obviously he's uh, got a father that, that knows how to play the game too. And I think he's just born to, born to play football. And, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing him make plays for us as a, as a corner. When you beat Hawaii Tuesday, you could text Kenny as well, right? Yeah, I think, I think he'll be pulling for us to win that game, too. <laughs> Let's talk about another cornerback, uh, not French, uh, Jacques Wilson, uh, Juco, West Los Angeles, California. Yeah, fits in exactly what we're trying to get done here. I, I mean, we have a lot of guys that are coming back and playing uh, in the backfield, you know, looking at like Troy Warner and, and Chris Wilcox and others, and, and I think he fits in to give us a little bit more depth, and I think he'll be competing for a starting spot right away, and that's everybody that we signed. It doesn't really matter if you're a JC guy or freshman or, or a return starter. Everyone has a battle for their spot. And uh, that's something that, you know, we talked about Terrence and the others. He, he, it fits, BYU fits perfectly for what he wants to get done and, and the things that what he want, the experiences he wants as a college football player. And uh, it was such an easy transition for us to talk about things like the honor code and academics. And, and that's something that he's really uh, looking forward to thriving in this environment. We have a uh, new signee. Let's get to that right now. A signing alert on BYU Sports Nation. Chris Jackson, wide receiver, 5'10", 180 from Mount San Antonio College or Mount Sac from Pomona, California. A tremendous article on him in the Deseret News about kind of his upbringing and the challenges he's had. Brought his two younger brothers on his official visit. This is a wide receiver uh, that didn't play this last year, played in 2018, but you guys like Chris Jackson. Yeah, and tons of speed. I, I think you look at his 100-meter time, I mean, he, he's got tons of speed. He can run a 10-4, 10-5, 100-meter, and... And, um, you know, we're looking forward to him making plays for us. Got a great story, uh, his background. And, um, you know, he was able to bring his brothers on his trip with him. And That's cool. Um, just, you know, th- this is a, a guy who, uh, when, once we start talking about BYU and, and everything about it, he fit perfectly. And, and there was really no um, no waiting. He he said this is where he wanted to be and wanted to show his brothers what, it could, what BYU could be about. And I think, you know, looking, looking forward to the future for him, I think um, – yeah, this will be a good change for him and his whole family. And so I, I think this is a Cougar Nation to embrace this kid. And if you haven't read the story, go read it because he's really transparent about it. He just wants to, um, you know, wants to just have others see that that you can do well if you just have your dreams and live live by it. And and I'm glad that Fessy and all the other coaches have helped bring him in. And 
and make him feel comfortable, and I think he's going to do a great job for us. You mentioned uh, running back is one of the areas of focus for this year's class. I want to ask you about two running back uh, running backs, Bruce Garrett out of Texarkana, Texas, and then uh, Nuka Luve, or Luve, I guess, is, is what people call him, Nuka Luve, uh, hello, uh, out of Tuella. What can you tell us about both those players? Yeah, um, both dynamic players, and, and obviously Bruce comes from uh, Texas where football is basically king out there, and he, and he has some great stats and played for a successful program and Still great playing, coaches. Apparently. Yeah, and, and uh, tons of speed um, and, and can move, and he's got great stats as well. Uh, and, and a big, thick kid, you know, when, when you're looking at how, how his body's built, uh, not, not all that, that tall, but he's, he can move, and he's actually put together better than a lot of people would assume when they see, when they see him on film. And then uh, Luva is just a, a big back that, that we need, and, and he's got tons. I mean, these, both these guys are highly recruited, and they actually committed to us pretty early in the recruiting game. And they stuck with it, and, and uh, you know a lot of late pushes from a lot of different schools, and these guys have been committed from the beginning and stuck with it and signed with us, and I think they already have something in mind, and that's to get on the field and, and help BYU win games, and uh, just thankful that they, that, you know, when they first got here on their visits, I remember seeing them and seeing how big the old line was, and then looking at the future of these old linemen and the guys that we have committed to us and that are on missions right now, and I think they feel really comfortable being pr- protected and <laughs> and have, having people open some holes for them. And a reminder, this is just part of the early signing class. There'll be a few others that trickle in. Uh, when those are official, we'll get those out there. Plus February, so there's a lot of work to be done. But rounding out these signees today so far, Josh Wilson, the younger brother of Zach, a tremendous linebacker out of Draper. Yeah, and, and I think he's a, he, he's a king of pick sixes, you know, so he finds a way. That, that shows the instincts that he has. And On his brother in practice in the future? Is that what oh, you're I'm pretty too? sure he'll get some of those. <laughs> that, that'll be fun. They, they've already been talking back and forth, talking a little trash to each other. But I think, I think Josh has a – and you look at the amount of tackles that he has, he's a big playmaker. Um, played for his uh, – you know, led his team to a state championship, I think, two years in a row now. And, and uh, looking forward to having him here. You know, he, he actually – Wears the same number as Kavika, but plays are very similar to him, you know. And, and um, uh, he has the ability to make tons of big plays for us. And, and he'll be, you know, I, he'll be here with us as a, as a freshman in the fall and and competing for for playing time, competing for a spot. And I think uh, he's a, he's game ready. And obviously, that family knows how to produce some game-ready players that can possibly play as a freshman. Well, and it's not just getting guys today that are playing in high school or just wrapped up high school. You've got a lot of mid-year additions coming in. What can you tell us about those players? Yeah, we have a a lot of missionaries that, uh, you know, we had, when looking at at the projection of our recruiting, we're limited in the NCAA allowing us to announce with a signing limit, you know what I mean? And so, but... We, we looked at some of the guys that we've been able to recruit and, and the ability to gray shirt them and have them sit out in the fall because they get home late from their missions, whether it's July or August, and allow them to sit out and, and get some workout time and some time to adjust to, to being home. And um, starting in January, we have a good number of them. I mean, Tyler Batty is a big-time player that, that is going to be joining the mix as a DN from Payson. And uh, Caleb Christensen is a guy that we gray-shirted from Skyview. is going to help us out as a DB. Um, Mason Fakahua is a guy that's returning from his mission. He's an athlete out of Cedar City. Um, Bentley Hanshaw returns from his mission and, and will begin with us in January as, as a tight end, big-body tight end. Uh, Preston Lewis is a linebacker from Lone Peak that will be joining us as well. Ryan Rico. Who's a, a punter at six five, but also um, has a he's very athletic. He can play basketball, a lot of different things. I don't think Mark Pope's going to want him. But <laughs> you're not offering him, are you? <laughs> no, I mean like, maybe he needs to improve his jumper or whatever to, to be on that team the way they're shooting and playing. But um, 
Uh, he's also a guy that can play a, a, a DN tight end and also punt for us. And then Andrew Slack's a, a lineman, D lineman out of Springville that helped his team win state championship in high school and basketball. And, and Seth Willis is another one that we're uh, you know adding from Connecticut, a big six six body O lineman that that uh, has taken the advantage of time to get in better shape and be be ready to go in January. Well, Kalani, great stuff. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see you in Hawaii. Let's go, go Cougs. Okay, thanks. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Alex Barcelo played a huge part in Jerem getting his big and one pick in this game, and he helped me a little bit too. So let's revisit it. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. All right. Jeremy, you go first. Remind the people what you picked and if you got it. So the game would be decided by four plus. My boy Alex Barcelo hits three. Bang. <laughs> four four point margin. Love it. And my and one, both Justin Bean, who led the nation in double doubles, and Yoli Childs will have a double double. Yoli Childs has a twenty and ten. Uh, Justin Bean has an eight and ten. If Justin Bean doesn't shoot a three, by the way, never shoot a three again. Your form is just weird. He, if he goes in and just lays in a two, which BYU would have allowed. I wouldn't have. Oh, I wouldn't have had my two pointer. You're right. No, Never mind. You I don't care. Got it. No, I don't care. Exactly. No, I don't care. You Justin Bean. You needed Justin Bean to not make that last shot. Yeah. Diogo Brito and Justin Bean. Bean Brito. <laughs> That's awesome. My first pick. BYU will shoot 41 percent or better from the field. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. 47 and a half. You wanted me to go 43. I would have gotten it either way. I can't believe BYU shot the ball that well against a really good defensive team. A credit to the Cougars. Utah State will have 12 turnovers or more. Seven and a half minutes left. Utah State had 11 turnovers. And I'm like, they're going to turn the ball over at least one more time. Nope, that didn't happen. Took care of the ball. (laughs) We both get two. I lead 18-17 in the combined score. Okay, let's keep things going. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is stadium basketball insider, college hoops expert Jeff Goodman, back on the show. Jeff, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Good to be back. Good to be back, and good to see uh, Yoli Childs back. Man, uh, no kidding. Right? I mean, long long overdue. He kind of got you-know-whatted by the NCAA this year, and uh, he's come back with a vengeance, uh, an absolute vengeance. And he's only going to get better as he shakes the rust off. One of the best players, not just uh, big men in the country, but one of the best players. All right, Jeff, we're on the tournament train for BYU now, and the numbers show that the Cougars are doing some good things to get back in the tournament yep. for the first time since 2014-15. Is BYU going to be a tournament team come March? I think so. I mean, I think so. The Utah loss, you know, that was a tough one, right? His first game back, he played well. I saw Utah play in Myrtle Beach. They're just not that good. I'm, I'm actually surprised that BYU – uh, let him kind of hang around there and, and, and blew that one because they had him. Um, so I think that one could hurt a little bit. The other ones, you know, obviously San Diego State and Kansas right now, I mean, those are those are two of the top teams in the country. So those are gonna, aren't going to hurt you. You're hoping Boise does well in Mountain West play, which I think they will. Um, they're getting a, a transfer back here in the middle of the year any day. So that will help them, give them some toughness, give them a, a good piece that will help them you know, bring up their rating at least. But uh, I I think the WCC gets three in. I do. I think there's enough separation 
between the first three and everybody else that um, that, that there'll be a, a big disparity at the end of the year when you look at the records. Right now, St. Mary's, uh, BYU, obviously, Gonzaga, Gonzaga looks really good. They're doing their thing, right? Up to two in the AP poll and six in the uh, net ranking. But I want to talk about St. Mary's. They're an intriguing uh, team because uh, BYU right now is perceived as being a worse team than St. Mary's, yet all the metrics indicate that BYU is better. So what's your evaluation of those two teams? I mean, they're close, right? I mean, obviously, St. Mary's got the big win against, against Utah State also, so they've got the common opponent there. Um, the loss came at Dayton. Just, you know, the, the Winthrop loss was early at home. That hurt St. Mary's. That kind of bumped them out of everybody's top 25. But they've got enough wins. You know, Wisconsin, neutral court, the Badgers aren't great. Uh, Cal's not very good, but they beat them at least on the road. So that, that accounts for something. Um, I, I think, again, I think BYU's got a higher upside. I really do. But um, what St. Mary's has is, is one of the elite guards in the country in, in Jordan Ford. And, you know, sometimes having a guard like that who's got the ball in his hands all the time is worth more than having a big that's got to get the ball. Why is it that you feel BYU has the better upside overall? Well, again, they get Childs back. They add Toulson. I think they've got good guard play, good enough, you know, with Toulson being an elite shooter, Haas being a scorer, Barcelo coming in. I, I really like their guards. And when you got those three guards and then you throw Yoli Childs in there, like you've got a big man that, again, can dominate in the post. So I just think they're put together better. They have more collective talent. When you look at what BYU's done without Yoli Childs, there were some nice wins, right? Um, Houston was a good win. Virginia Tech beat a UCLA team that's still figuring things out. Didn't compete against Kansas, but not everyone is, right? Uh, when the committee looks at BYU, they're going to have to take into account pre-Yoli Childs, post-Yoli Childs. So what's your evaluation of BYU with Yoli Childs now, since that'll be the majority of the year? Well, it'll be interesting to see how they look at him, right? Because it's a suspension. It's not an injury. So are they going to look at it completely separate? I say that the same thing about Memphis with and without James Wiseman, right? Are they going to look at it because are, are they looking at it as kind of self-inflicted? Um, or are they, you know, looking at it um, the same as, as an injury or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Depends on each committee member. There's not one, you know, clear-cut answer on that. Everybody on the committee, it's subjective to them. So some may look at it and look at the totality of it and just say, hey, I don't care. The only jobs were suspended, but it doesn't matter to me because it was a suspension. Other ones may look at it completely different with and without. Them. So I, I think, again, they've got to finish. To me, if you can finish second in the WCC and finish ahead of St. Mary's, you're in. If you finish third, you make it one of those things where, again, you're, you're, you're putting it in the hands of the committee. You don't really want to do that. Right now, all the numbers – and I looked at, at four of the six metrics that are um, that are provided to the NCAA uh, tournament committee, and in uh, in four of the six, they're they're between 29 to 29 in the BPI and the Sagarin ratings. They're 41 in, in the Ken Palm, and they're 42 now in the net. So you know they're averaging right in that 35 range, which will put them kind of right on that bubble. Jeff Goodman, Stadium Basketball Insider, with us on BYU Sports Nation. How much credit does Mark Pope and his staff in year one deserve for BYU's solid start that, let's be honest, was unexpected without Yoli Childs? Yeah, I, I love Pope. I think he was the right hire. I think he's a high-energy guy. Uh, he's got him defending at least, uh, certainly better than they've defended uh, in recent years. 
So I, I think that helps. They can still score the ball. That's the key is, is getting this program back on track. You know, to me, it's, they're always going to be able to score. But if they can guard, and, and right now they're doing a much better job defensively, I think that takes it to a different level. Uh, and then I think you get back to kind of the way you were, um, you know, back really in, 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 you know, 2000, you know, late 2000, you know, eight, nine, that, that area when you were really good. And, and again, they could outscore people, but they were better than people thought defensively then. Yeah, and so far so good with uh, 50, 42, and 64 points allowed the last three games. Uh, let's turn this into Gonzaga Sports Nation because that's what we like to do sometimes. <laughs> do you feel like Gonzaga's the number one seed at the moment? You know, today I feel like they're the number one team in the country. Ooh, okay. And I do. Well, I just, you know, listen, how many teams can you say went into McHale and beat Arizona, went to Seattle and, and beat an interstate rival like Washington, and then beat Oregon on a neutral court? Like, nobody has those three wins. Nobody has those two road wins against uh, two ranked teams and another uh, neutral site win against a really good top tennis team. So I, I think Gonzaga is the number one team in the country right now, and that's kind of what I put them. I don't know. Again, that's right now. I don't know, again, if uh, they will sustain it. I think they will because they got Carolina this week, and I don't know if Carolina's going to have Cole Anthony or not. I'm not sure it matters because they can't score with or without him, really. Um <laughs> So I, I like the Zags. I still worry a little bit about their point guard play. I, I really do. And, and, and the kid, uh, Ayayi's done a really good job so far, and so has the, the grad transfer from North Texas. Um, but ultimately, I still kind of worry about them um, at that point guard spot in terms of in, in March, um, depending on who, who they go up against. Jeff, it's great to catch up with you. We know how busy you are, so we appreciate the time. And uh, we've got a conductor's hat here in Studio B for you if uh, you want to come don it and get on the BYU tournament train with us. I would love to get out there. That, that is my goal. I love uh, getting out there. And uh, if I can make it back this year, I definitely will. Fantastic. Thanks, Jeff. You got it, guys. Take Sta- care. You got it. Stadium basketball insider Jeff Goodman on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Good to talk to Jeff. Has Gonzaga's the top overall team right now. Whoa! How about that? Okay. He's right, though. Those, those wins are great. I watched Gonzaga for a full game for the first time Saturday. Really impressed. They're good again. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Hey, BYU's big man in the middle, Kyrus Tonga, has been a force at times on the defensive line this year. Fun to watch, just wrecking havoc in the backfield. Opposing quarterbacks get scared. It's awesome to watch. For the season, he said he plans on uh, declaring for the NFL draft after the season. Is that still the case? Here's Spencer Linton's conversation with the big man in the middle. Kyrus, amidst the madness of finals week, you're getting ready for Hawaii, trying to win an eighth game. How would you sum up the emotions of dealing with school and getting ready to play a bowl game? Stressful. It's, uh, no, it's, it comes with it. It's fun. Um, yeah, the school part is kind of rough. But uh, other than that, preparing for a bowl, going to Hawaii and uh, having fun out here with the boys, it's just uh, it's been super fun so far. Your finals uh, get going here really quickly. Um, what, what's the key approach? I mean, I know you prepare for football games and get yourself in the right mentality, but what's the right mentality to go into finals with? Uh, be optimistic, <laughs> lots of prayer, and I'm going to call my mom and tell her to pray for me. So I'll be, 
hopefully that's that's good enough. So that sounds like quite the trifecta, man. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll write those notes down as I approach difficult decisions in my life. Okay, on to football now. Uh, Hawaii is um, essentially a week away. What do you know about the uh, Rainbow Warriors offense, and and how are they different this year compared to the team you saw last year? They're they're all they always been a good offense. Their uh, their quarterback is a. Uh, a great QB can throw the ball, can run when he needs to. All lines in sync every time. Um, receivers are are super good. Running back can run the ball or catch the ball. So, uh, just just a great. Uh, they're a great offense. From last year, I just felt like they they just got better. That's it. Uh, wasn't really a, a downfall from their offense. So, uh, we're excited for for that. Going to be a lot of a lot of throwing. So. Uh, we're focusing on uh, a lot of pass rush this this week, so it should be a uh, should be really fun. How do you feel about that when you know there's a lot of pass rush on the way? I'll, it is what it is in, in the game. It's, it's, it'll be fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get a lot of pressure and um, uh, cause a lot of turnovers, but uh, just to be disruptive. When I say BYU football and Hawaii Bowl, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, a lot of Polynesians. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Polynesians. So, what kind of a crowd do you expect out there? Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of BYU fans out there. Uh, just the the football team, uh, just BYU being BYU. The fan base is everywhere, and I think uh, I think it's going to be super fun. Hopefully, there's uh, there's tons of people uh, to come out Christmas Eve, watch the game. It's going to be nice and warm at night. So, I don't know. Hopefully, there's a lot of people. How are you feeling health-wise at the end of a very physical, tough season? I feel good. Um, my body feels nice. Um, I feel good about it, and I'm just super excited. A lot of people are very interested in what your future holds with football because you have excelled. A lot of people in the NFL are paying attention to you. So how do you handle that and try not to get distracted while still focusing on finals and one more game this season at BYU? Yeah, I just don't even, I don't even think about it. Um, I talk with my family. I talk to the coaches already, um, and I'll, I'll make a decision like after the bowl game. But right now, just priorities: uh, school and football, and that's what I've just been working on. So, okay, yeah, I can understand that. Is there a time frame you have set up to make a decision after the bowl game? Um, hopefully within a, a week or so. So, uh, if you don't hear from me, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I know people are like, let the man enjoy Christmas, Spencer. Okay, okay, so we'll let you enjoy Christmas, then you, then you make that announcement. Um, when you look at midway through the season, 2-4, and four, coming off a loss against USF in Tampa, to this team that is here now, what's been the biggest change in that turnaround? I don't know. Um, I felt like uh, I, it was just a huge reality check for, for the team. We, uh, we go, we beat a team in Tennessee, a great team. And we go and uh, we're playing these good teams. And then, uh, I mean, Toledo Toledo, and then we're, they're good teams. It's, it's just a huge reality check for for all of us. Uh, just uh, look in the mirror and just like, hey, man, you got to wake it up or it's just going to keep happening. So uh, it was it was good for us, Coach Kalani and uh, the whole staff. Just uh, we just didn't think about it. Just went, uh, we took it game by game. And uh, it was a good run and it was still going. And uh it's just been super fun since then. So, how can you use the San Diego State game as a reality check to prepare for the bowl game? Yeah, it's just uh, it's just little things, man. It's just executing, being able to uh, 
to, especially on defense, just uh, stopping when we're supposed to stop them, not giving up any points, no field goals, holding them to like three points, something like that. It's, uh, we shouldn't be on top of it. Our 111, just and just have fun out there. When we're having fun, it's uh, it's just the best. So, well, I know you've had a lot of fun, and that has included a touchdown this year. Where does the touchdown you scored rank on the list of accomplishments you've had at BYU? At BYU, man, number three for sure. <laughs> it's uh, it's top. Yeah, it's that number three. So, what are number one and number two? Uh. Shoot, I don't even know. <laughs> so it's somewhere up there. I don't know. Just tell me they're a secret and you don't want to tell me. Yeah, that, that's fine. We'll get we'll get your rankings a little bit later, Kairos. Okay, well, let's give you some time to think about that. But it's in the top three for sure. Okay. Um, Hawaii is going to present some unique challenges, but it will also present potential distractions. How do you keep the beach and that laid-back feel out of your mind? And, and once it gets to football, you keep it a business trip. Yeah, I think our mentality is uh, we're here to win a game. Uh, we're preparing to win the game. We're not preparing to, to go swim and to ride mopeds and, and all that. It's just uh, just to win. Uh, we're going to have fun out there, but uh, just keep that in the back of our minds that uh, we're here for, for a reason. And uh, we worked all off season and all season for, for this opportunity to, to walk away with the win. So uh, that's just our, our mentality going into the game. Listen, I'm here to say that when and if you get pass rush against Hawaii's quarterback and a turnover results or a sack, there needs to be just a Kairos Tonga stat, okay? It's like, well, I don't know what we'll call it, but we need to come up with a Kairos Tonga stat. Are you cool with that? All right, I'm cool with it. If you're doing it, I'm cool with it. <laughs> uh, Melikalikimaka and uh, some BYU Sports Nation karma to you, not just for football, but for your finals as well. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you. What? <laughs> Is there a moped that can handle Kairos Tonga, by the way? Are you guys going to ride mopeds over in Hawaii? Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, we don't have a game. to. We have a broadcast, but we don't have a game to play. We can right. dork around all we want outside of the show. There we, we go. dork around on the show. I was going to say, on. yeah, that was the next thing. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We now welcome into the program once again. You know him, you love him. He is Jonathan Tavernari. How are you, JT? I'm not in Hawaii. <laughs> I can tell you that. That's something all three of us have you in know, common. I mean, the basketball team went to Hawaii. I mean, I didn't go. And so, you know, I hope he rains every day, but they give him the day of the game. <laughs> yes. Jaron, there it is. I hope he rains. Rain up to the game. Yeah. And then once the game starts, the clouds go away. It's beautiful. Yes. BYU wins. Then it can mm-hmm. rain again. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think we got Thunderstorms. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So now this is actually something both of you could certainly answer, but take, take me through what a week like this is like because you have finals this week. Right. BYU basketball is preparing for a game. You have Christmas next week. How crazy is a week like this for a basketball player? Well, um, I think it's a little bit different for football, right? Because on the ball game, that's a really big deal, right? Yeah. It would compare to an NCAA tournament yeah. where we didn't have finals. I mean, you know, we, we usually had finals after that. <clears throat> but it's, you know, definitely leading up to a situation like this, it's – it. I'm great, you know. I'm grateful that the student athlete building is there. Um, that the athletic department does things to support the athletes, because it is a tool, right? I mean, you have to practice, but practices aren't 
very extremely hard, but they're also not a walk in the park. Yeah. And but you also have to study. Um, some of the guys are in the business program with that. It you know, takes a toll on its own. Uh, I remember Ben Murdoch and, and Sam Burgess. We just eating books and I'm like playing video games. And, you know, like, <laughs> my like friend, yeah, you know what I mean? And because they're like accountings and that kind of stuff. And but it's it it it's um I would say it it's one of the the hardest parts of being a student athlete. It's probably a balancing act, right? Oh absolutely to make sure to make sure you can do both, but to give each side it's it's just due to make sure it gets the attention it needs. College yeah college sports is a crash course in time management and compartmentalization. Because yeah. you have to go from one thing to the next and focus on one on practice and then focus on taking a final. I mean, I was in Las Vegas taking finals, uh, you know, in the hotel. They, they, have, they have them proctored. It's, it's tough to balance it all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember when we were um, in Las Vegas and when we played Louisville and then we played North Carolina, um, the football team had just got done playing down there. And, you know, it's like around Thanksgiving time and, you know, the, the football teams are being closed, sealed in a room with like a couple of proctors walking around. <laughs> People think that just because you're an athlete, oh, they probably have tutors taking tests for them. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> go sit around with A.J. Cafaro, you know, just sitting around like this. And lo and behold, if you look around to the side and peep something more like, hey, Tanner, pass me the water or something like that, it's – you know, it's something taken very seriously, and it's one of the reasons why BYU has one of the highest uh, graduation rates when it comes to student-athletes. Yeah. Take me through the last three games. What's impressed you the most about what you're seeing from this BYU basketball team? I think what, you know, what you guys are talking about the previous segment, what, you know, Chris talked about defense, you know, also their shooting, you can't deny it, you know. Um, I had a chance to be at the at the Vivint uh, the Vivint game. I, I have a hard time not saying the Delta Center. I'm sorry, but um, Energy you know, Solutions Arena, right? Yeah. And so it, it changes so much. But um, their game against Utah State was phenomenal. I thought they played really well. Um, I thought they did a really good job of balancing things when it came to attacking the zone, um, defending a seven footer. Right? I mean, if that kid gets his wits about him, he's going to be in the NBA. Yeah. And I thought Yoli. About yes, I thought Yoli. Um, I thought Dalton. I thought Kobe. I even at, at times even Zach did a phenomenal job boxing him out, keeping him off the boards. Um, but again, first half, TJ did what TJ does, right? I mean, I I don't know if you guys agreed. I mean, I know you kind of you know expectations were crazy, and I always said that to Ben Criddle, but. I think TJ is one of the most scrutinized players in BYU history. And you can you can yeah. relate to some of that, you know, having yeah. being the big man on campus and a football High player. Expectations. You know what I mean? And so I but, but TJ literally carried a team in the first half. Absolutely. Obviously then in the second half, Yoli came in, did his thing. Um props to Alex, you know. Um, huge three. In in Italy we have a term that when you leave somebody that wide open, you're baptizing that person, right? <laughs> and there are a couple of times in that one three one zone that they left Alex wide open. And he took one, took a second, didn't go in, kind of hesitated a little bit. But the way he took that last one to pretty much, you know, ice the game, props to him. Uh, then we had, you know, we heard Yoli say wonderful words about him, about being in the gym and working. And, I mean, you know, I yeah. mean, I, I'll never forget that, that Hail Mary pass. And it, it, for you to be able to get to those moments, you need to practice, yep. right? It doesn't just happen overnight. A lot of preparation. So long-term now in this season, what do you think is like, more likely to continue, the stellar shooting or the, uh, the defense? I mean, it's Christmas, right? Can I wish for both yes, of us? Yes, yes, you can. Right, yeah. <laughs> but obviously, you know, you can't control how many points you score. You can't control how hard you play on defense. Right. I mean, defense is just a matter of you being alert, 
um, you're going to have off shooting nights. You know, you're going to have the cold hand or, or per se, but it's all about balancing the, the defensive act of communication, which they're doing a really good job at right now. Um, however, mm-hmm. if they sustain um, that level of shooting, going back to your point, this basketball team should dominate the WCC. I don't think there has been uh, a BYU team that has been more poised to make a run at Gonzaga. And actually, like you said, it's wide open, you know, and kind of get that WCC championship than this team right here. And imagine if you had a healthy Gavin Baxter dad too. It, you know what? And I said that, and, and this is no knock on Jesse, who is a phenomenal player, and I can't wait for him to get back. But if this team had Gavin, because Gavin is almost that guy that affects the game but never needs the ball. Mm-hmm. Because he is not going to, you're not going to give him the ball to post up or play one on one, or for instance, put him on the post like with you know you can do with Yoli or you can do with Jake or let him play a pick and roll like with TJ. But Gavin is a guy that affects the game on rebounds, on blocking shots, on altering shots, on putbacks. And can you imagine the way Kobe is playing, the way Dalton's playing? Yep. But there's also you know the double edged sword because if Gavin and then would Dalton have the breakout season that he's having. Would Kobe have had the space to develop as much as he is? We'll never know. Um, But that makes, if you're looking also for the future, it makes you excited because you have a base of Alex coming back. You have Connor Harding that's really coming to his own. I love his game. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Gavin coming back. You have Kobe and you have Trevin. I mean, you have a lot of guys that kind of, will have that experience under their belt. And, I mean, you know this better than anybody. It's when you have that one year under you, yeah. the second one, you're like, hey, you're not looking around and I can get playing time. That gives you a chip on your shoulder. Former BYU basketball star Jonathan Tavernari joining us here on BYU Sports Nation. Up next for the Cougars, Weber State Saturday night at the Marriott Center. It's a team that BYU historically has, has dominated. Uh, we'd certainly expect BYU to win the game, although Weber State got the win last year. It's one of those weird kind of head-scratching losses last year up in, up in Ogden. What do you want to see from the Cougars Saturday night against the Wildcats? Do you remember the Boise State game this season? Yeah. Yes. I want to see the opposite of that, <laughs> you know, yeah. because it, it was a game where BYU was highly favored. I mean, I know it was just a couple of points or whatever, but you couldn't compare putting this team that just beat Houston. Yeah, coming off the Houston win. You know what I mean? And so I want to see the opposite of that. I want to see them come in, and I used to tell them, I want to make sure that the main guys don't play the last 15 minutes. Come in mm-hmm. and beat the living heavens out of them, run them off the court, put on a show for the fans for the first 20 minutes, and just get up by 15. By the first TV timeout in the second half, they're up 20, 25, boom. Get the young guys in, get them some reps because, hey, again, with test, you know, testing week is here. Conference is just about to start. And so, yeah. and again, they want everybody healthy. Give the little guys that haven't gotten much playing time, give them a little taste, you know, let them get their feet wet. And so, again, uh, I just want to see the opposite of what happened at Weber, uh, excuse me, at Boise State because, again, with Boise State, BYU came in, it's like, yeah, we're coming <laughs> off this hype. We had a great win in Houston. And Boise, again, defensively against Boise, it worked really well. Offensively, it wasn't very good. Um, but again, what we've seen from that team, and it's crazy how you can improve so much in a season, right? It, that Boise State game sounds like it was forever yeah. ago. Yeah. And you see how the players have, the, have improved, you know, Kobe himself. Um, you look how having Yoli back on the team. And it looks like the guys are, I won't say that weren't buying so much on what the coaching staff are saying, but they are starting to like, 
yeah, uh, this guy, Mark, he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And these yep. back doors and these defensive schemes, yeah, it looks like, you know, this Pope knows what he's doing. And that's what you want because that's going to be the key for them to, again, my, expecta- my expectation is no, no uh, knock on Derek Dawes who kind of run things, a former teammate of mine at Weber State, but we need to run them off the court and put them away so you can get ready for conference. Okay, so aside from that, what do you want for Christmas this year, JT? Um, but a man that has everything, yeah. So, <laughs> so one of my really good friends uh, just got hired to work at Nike, and so <laughs> what I want for Christmas is an unlimited uh, supplies of <laughs> Nike shoes, size 14s. <laughs> So uh, that Santa, uh, Christmas came early. Look, he's right here. Thank you, Santa. No guarantees. No guarantees. Thanks for joining us. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, we've referenced this a couple of times. Yesterday, we'd gone over in detail some of the early signees for the 2020 BYU football recruiting class, but not all of the guys had officially committed when we went off the air yesterday. And even though, you know, we, you may necessarily see some people tweet until it's official, uh, you can't really comment on anybody. So we wanted to go over the four signees that officially signed after yesterday's BYU Sports Nation, and we've referenced a few already. We're going to start with the offensive lineman, Isaiah Tupo, uh, listed right now at 6'3", 316 out of Sacramento, California, uh, Grant Union High School. And this is a uh, this is a program that is sending a lot of, uh, of offensive linemen uh, into, uh, into the college ranks. He's a three-star prospect, played both uh, the offensive and defensive line, uh, recruited by Arizona, Utah, UCLA, and Oregon State. And the one thing that was mentioned about uh, Isaiah was he is, he is nasty. He's got a mean streak. He was an interior guy in high school. He will be a mission-first kid. Uh, the primary recruiter, no surprise, Eric Mateos, the the uh, offensive line coach, and this was a, a player that Utah reportedly wanted really bad, uh, and, and BYU got him. So, look, BYU, the offensive line, it's so important to everything. Look, it's important to every school, obviously, but with what BYU wants to do, it really does all start up front. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you see 6'3", 316 <laughs> as a quarterback, I, the, I get giddy. And we'll probably get bigger. Uh, yeah, and they'll get stronger. Because right? he's a mission first, so he'll come back and yeah, probably so add more weight. Coming back from the mission will be tough, but the strength and conditioning staff will get him up to speed. And just the fact that Utah wanted him so bad and, and BYU <laughs> wins, that always makes you happy. There's, that's always a plus. All right, a couple of defensive linemen. Tui Pelotu Lai, and, and apparently they call him Tui. Uh, defensive lineman, 6'3", uh, 250. He's probably bigger than that. He's from uh, Lahaina High School, or excuse me, Lahaina Luna High School in Lahaina, Hawaii. Three-star prospect, uh, played defensive tackle and defensive end. Um, they they described him as big boned with wide hips. Uh, <laughs> Great description. It's one of those things that if you say that in the real world, it sounds really weird. But with, but with football but linemen, with, it's okay. With football recruiting, it's it's completely. And here's another here's another uh, phrase that works great in recruiting. Lots of upside. That's hear, a great buzzword, upside. Lots of recruiting and drafts. You hear that upside. Yes. Uh, a non-LDS athlete, he is Catholic, and he's somebody that they expect to report in August. Another defensive lineman, and this is a defensive end, Alex Muti, uh, another three-star recruit. Uh, he was uh, All-State first team uh, and the Defensive Player of the Year as a junior. He lettered in track and field, uh, participated in the shot put and the discus. Uh, other teams that looked at him, Boise State, Hawaii, 
Oregon State, Weber State, and Utah State. And the the words that come out about him, uh, we were told super athletic, nasty, very physical, uh, tough, aggressive guy, pretty twitchy. That's probably another one of those buzzwords. Uh, Currently between 205 and and 210, uh, so certainly probably add a little more a uh, little more weight to him, but you know this is a, this is another guy that uh, look on the lines. You hear words like physical and aggressive. That's exactly what you're looking you for. Know, what's not a buzzword is 17 sacks. <laughs> yeah. and that's what that's what he had in one season. And anytime you can put up that kind of production, shows that you have a lot of upside. Yeah, and, lot, and yes. you can never have too much depth on the defensive line and the defensive ranks. Those guys sub in a lot, and so these guys will have an opportunity whether they enroll right away or, or after their mission. A lot of freshmen get a lot of opportunities to potentially contribute um, you know, from, from day one. So you know, it'll be great to see how these guys come in and adjust. You know what you never hear? You never hear somebody has downsize. You never have somebody come, you know, like we expect downside. this guy to get really bad. He's maxed out yeah, on his potential. Like we, he is, <laughs> can only go down from here. So yeah, He's upside, really good now, but we don't think he'll yeah, get better. Exactly. Upside, it's a buzzword, but look, it means that they have – faith in you that that your best football or whatever sport you play uh, is yet to come. And typically in football, it has, to, has a lot to do with size. Sure. Because a lot of high schoolers, seniors in high school, they're still growing into their bodies. They're still not at their, at their, at their peak, right? And so with knowing with, uh, with what goes into the strength and conditioning program, they know a lot of guys are going to put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle and really get to the size that they need to be to, uh, to reach their potential. And so anytime you hear that, uh, obviously there's a lot of faith and optimism that goes into every recruit. But uh, you know, I think there's a lot of great recruits, and these, especially these four here, yeah. that are going to have a great opportunity to contribute. Yeah, one more defensive lineman, Josh Larson, six four two thirty, out of Woods Cross High School in Woods Cross, Utah. Uh, another three star recruit, forty eight tackles, five sacks, one INT, two fumble recoveries as a senior. Comes from uh, a BYU family. His dad Jim was a pitcher for the Cougars. His mom was a Cougarette. Did play uh, basketball in high school. Uh, looked at by Utah, Utah State, and. Weber State, and the one thing about this guy we were told is he is an absolute gym rat. He he, and, and maybe he's too much of a gym rat. We were told the story that you know he may work out earlier in the day, and then after dinner want to go back to the gym and have another workout. So th- this may be guy that's like you know just super athletic, and and currently right now two forty five. So he's two forty five right now at six four. That's impressive. It's a, it's a great size. And, you know, let's not discredit his mom being in a cougarette. Yeah. Hey, those cougarettes are athletic. They, <laughs> they can move. They have the— Come from good stock. Yes, exactly. And so, hey, the, you know, the, 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 the dad being a pitcher, the mom being a cougarette, there's some good genes there. Plus, he's obviously got a great size and frame already. Yeah. Who knows what he could uh, what he could do when he when he's here? Yeah. So those are the four names that now are officially committed to BYU that we weren't able to get to yesterday. We wanted to make sure that uh, that we gave them uh, the, their uh, their time to shine. Yes. Here. Give credit where credit's yeah, due. Absolutely. Here on BYU Sports Nation. Time to play a little buy, sell, or hold. Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. We've got some compelling topics. We go now. Keep climbing, baby. Ben Bagley is in the control room. He's the voice, of, as some of you call him. Ben, what do you have for us this fine day? Let's start here. I got two for you. First, BYU is an actual 12 seed. 
right now in the NCAA tournament. Buy, sell, or hold, Jason. Uh, I'm going to buy it. That sounds fair to me as of as of today. It's as of today. Mm. Think they get higher? Yeah, I do think they can get higher. But as of today, that sounds fair. I sell because I'm going to make some money later when BYU is single digits. That's what I do. But that's as of today, right now. I sell so that later I can make. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. I hold because I'm going to sell later when BYU is a higher commodity. Okay. Right. More expensive commodity. You're right. Okay. Number two. All right, last one. This is one you guys have been looking forward to. <laughs> Who has had a more interesting, not better, interesting pro career? Taysom Hill or Jimmer Fredette? What do you think? I am buying Taysom Hill having the more interesting career. You could argue, though, because of the expectations for Jimmer and the way we all thought his career would go, his career has been more interesting. But, yes, the correct answer is Taysom. It's would, more interesting. I wouldn't call Jim Fredette's career interesting. It's been uh, different yes, than what we thought. But that's why I think it's interesting. to a certain degree. We thought he'd be in the NBA and could play, right? But he's having success outside. Uh, Taysom Hill, yeah, I agree with you. But right now, it's, it's way better than we all thought it would be. It's fantastic. That he's playing and is healthy and doing stuff, that's awesome. And, they, and people rave about him on every broadcast. They love him. They love him. brings us to our stat of the day. BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Taysom Hill has more receiving touchdowns this year than Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Odell Beckham Jr. So take that, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joe Lenardi has BYU in the NCAA tournament and his latest projection as mentioned. But it's December 16th. Things are going well. We're feeling good. Spencer, will BYU be an NCAA tournament team come March? Let me channel my inner Bill Walton here. Please. Yes, BYU's in the NCAA tournament. I've been driving this train for a while now. All of the metrics look fantastic. In March. 42nd in the net. Ken Palm has BYU at 41. ESPN's Basketball Power Index has the Cougars as a top 30 team at number 29. Joe Lunardi has BYU in the bracket in mid-December, that hasn't happened for a while. Avoid bad losses, beat St. Mary's at least once, hopefully twice. And if BYU can beat Gonzaga, you can just go ahead and cinch that baby up. Just lock it up right now. If BYU can beat Gonzaga at least once, the Cougars right now are in a good place. they got to beat St. Mary's at least once to feel good about strengthening and holding on to that spot that they're currently in. With out Yoli Childs, BYU is a good team. Incredible. With Yoli Childs, BYU is a single-digit seed, in Woo! my opinion. Uh, Lenardi says they're 12, and they're barely in. I disagree. I think BYU is a single-digit seed as currently constructed, right? Um, and, and let's look at the four losses. Yoli Childs didn't play in three of them. And then the other one at Utah, he cramped up. He cramped up. Coincidence? So BYU with Yoli Childs would have one loss right now. Mm. They would have beaten San Diego State. They would have beaten Houston by more, by the way. They would not have lost to Boise State. They would not have lost to Utah had he finished the game. BYU is friggin' good right now. (laughs) They are really good. And when you look at the team sheet that just came out, BYU has a unique distinction among all the teams in college basketball, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is the only team in the country to play five quad one games and win at least two. The strength of schedule, D1 non-conference, is sixth in the country. Sixth! Woo! Crazy, right? And BYU would be three and two had they defeated Utah, by the way. That's, that's going to be one that is tough to get over. The issue isn't what BYU has done. 
The issue is moving forward. Will BYU be able to climb despite playing in the WCC? Because BYU's played 13. They have 18 left in the regular season. Three quad ones left, three quad twos left, but 12 are quad three or four. So BYU needs to take care of business, avoid the bad losses you mentioned, uh, get a couple other games. Now, the team sheet is fluid. Remember this. Virginia Tech is 62 in net. If they climb into the top 50, that's a quad one. If Utah falls out of the top 75, then that becomes a quad two, and so on and so forth. Houston is 68. We were hoping that would be a better win right now. Houston uh, and Virginia Tech not in the Lenardi's bracket. So it is fluid. Teams can get better or worse. St. Mary's, by the way, 64 in net. Shocking. BYU is a better team than St. Mary's right now, by the way. All the metrics indicate this. When BYU matches up with uh, the Gales in Moraga, that will be a huge game. Can BYU get both and be the two seed because they're going to be a team that's in. Everyone is looking at St. Mary's from the last couple of years. BYU's better than St. Mary's right now. The Cougars are about to be 12-4 and four when they go to Moraga. BYU will take care of business against Weber State, Oral yeah. Roberts, and they'll beat LMU to open up West Coast Conference play. 12-4 and four in Moraga. What a night that's going to be. That's, yeah, that's the be next awesome. circle of the calendar that'll game. Be Jordan Ford, let's go, baby. I love, I love this team. I love the depth of this team. I love Alex Barcelo's confidence. I love Yoli Childs, who had a quiet first half. TJ Haas was awesome in the first half. I love Connor Harding, Jerem. There's oh, so much love. Connor, Connor Harding is uh, a 50% three-point shooter. Connor He's Harding unbelievable right deserves now. more praise. Yeah. Cougars riding a three-game winning streak right now. But beyond just the wins, they're on a streak of impressive numbers on both the offense and defensive side. Offensively, the Cougars are shooting the ball extremely well. BYU's hit at least 11 threes in six straight games. And then on defense, BYU's given up an average of only 52 points over the last three contests, which is just crazy. Crazy good, by the way. Tuesday on BYU Sports Nation, we had assistant basketball coach Chris Burgess on the program. And I asked him if the shooting or the defense is more sustainable long term. I was always told, like, there's times you're going to miss shots, but you can always guard. There's going to be times where you're feeling good and the ball just doesn't go in the hoop. You can always guard. And so I think, the, I think first of all, I think we're going to be, we always make shots. It's what we do. It's what Coach Pope's teams have always done. They've been in the top 50 every single year in three-point shooters. It's what we do. We space the floor and make shots. But we, we've had this identity since the first day we got here going into Europe of we've got to be able to defend. All right, so Tanner, in your opinion, what's more sustainable, BYU basketball shooting or their defense? Well, you know, in my vast years of basketball experience, I, I played basketball in high school. I agree 100% with what Coach Burgess said. Shooting, you're going to have cold nights. Yeah. Even the best shooters in the world, even in, in the NBA, teams are going to have off-night shooting. But you can't have an off-night defensively because defense – comes down to a mindset. And just like what Coach Burgess referenced, coming into this season, before they went to Europe in their off-season trip, they harped on, we have to be able to defend. If we want to be successful this year, we have to be able to defend. Not, if we want to be successful this year, we have to shoot lights out every night. It's, no, we're going to defend. And that's what it comes down to is because defense, playing defense comes down to a decision. It's a conscious decision. It requires a lot of effort. Right. It requires a lot of heart. And Coach Pope is going to 
always coaches teams to have heart and to have effort. That's just who he is as a person, and it's infectious, and he's going to transfer that over to his, to his players on the court. And, and we're seeing it. Not only have they shot well, but we're seeing some good defense as well, and that's going to be key because you know the shots aren't always going to be falling, but they can always choose to defend. Yeah, far be it for me to disagree with Coach Burgess, and I'm not. I agree with him 100%. Look, and, and you and I are on the same page in terms of the argument. The defense is the aspect I think is more sustainable. And, and let's be honest, though. Let's hope both keep happening. But like Chris said, if your shot isn't falling, that doesn't change the fact that you can always get back and play defense. Shooting is, is technique. It's rhythm. It's also based on how you're being defended. Yeah, I mean, sometimes totally. some, that's, that's going to play a factor into it. But like you said, defense is a mindset. We're using the exact same word. It is a mindset. You can always play defense regardless of whatever else is happening in the game. I, I think that's the – look, and, and maybe to, to that degree where you're giving up – I mean, they've given up halves where they're giving up 20 points. I mean, that's crazy good. I, I don't know it, whether that's sustainable. I don't know, but you can certainly – you know, if you're giving up in the in the upper 30s, low 40s for a half, I, even that is is with BYU's offense is I think is going to be plenty for this team to continue to win. And especially when you look at the the teams that they'll be playing the rest of the year, they, they've you know they, they've dealt with some pretty tough non-conference opponents. Absolutely, and they've held their own. And now you look at the WCC, which is which is very, perhaps dare I say, winnable. I, granted, you know Gonzaga is always up there. It's almost an automatic, uh, you know, guarantee for Gonzaga to make it to the tournament. But St. Mary's, not BYU. BYU has a chance to really dominate this conference season, and it's looked at as a three bid league right now, it, it, which is great, which is huge. That's a big deal, as we'll get into later. Yeah. But I think with the, the type of defense that they're playing, if they can keep that up. Shots will fall. They'll, 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 they'll keep shooting well, but they, they, if they can keep that up, they can really have a chance to do something special this year in the WCC. Yeah, I agree. BYU will face Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl on Tuesday night. Man, it's coming up. I know, it's coming with, up. With a victory, the Cougars would end the 2019 college football season at 8-5 and five with wins over ranked teams like USC and Boise State. Question. Yes. Would a win in the Hawaii Bowl make 2019 the best season in the Satake era? This is one I, I, I gave a lot of thought to this, and I, I'm going to go with this. I don't think that it would. I, I believe the best season in the Kalani Satake era so far has been 2016, and that was Kalani's first year as head coach. And the biggest reason was that that team finished with nine wins. And, and just from a win-loss perspective, 2016 gets my vote over this year simply because you have one more victory. I mean, and I know it's not as simple as that. Like, I know BYU didn't have the wins over the ranked teams like they did this season. But if you go back to that 2016 team, the Cougars did beat three P5 teams, two of which were on the road. Plus, one of those teams was Mississippi State from the SEC. You beat an SEC team, and I understand they're not upper echelon SEC, but that, that was still a big deal. Plus, you had the win over Toledo, which was a really, really good team that year. You had Kareem Hunt on that roster. So to me, 2016 still BYU's best under Kalani Satake, regardless of what happens on Christmas Eve. And I agree with you. And let's not forget that I, I can say we, because yes, I was, I was on, on that team that, yes. and, I, and I, I was honored to uh, to take part in the ninth victory of that season in the bowl game yes. against against Wyoming, against Josh how Allen. Con- how were those conditions, by the way? Oh, You're- just beautiful. <laughs> just n- no better condition to play a football game than sopping wet rain. <laughs> all's well that ends well, right, Tanner? Yes, exactly. All's well that ends well. And let's not forget, they also beat Michigan State yep. that season. And I agree with you. And, and Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Kainakua, Fred Warner... Harvey Longy, I yeah. mean, all kinds of, of, of great players on that team. And 
nine wins, four losses, but those four losses came total margin of victory of eight points. Yeah. You know, it Lost we, to Utah by one. We were that close yes. to having 10 or 11 wins. Yep. And, and, and that, oh, that, that Utah game was brutal. It was rough. The, <laughs> you know, the last two-point conversion. Okay, let's not talk let's, about Let's not relive it. it. Let's not go Anyways, there. the point is, as great as this season has been, with two huge wins against yeah. Boise State, USC, I think the disappointing losses to USF, Toledo, the, the inconsistencies that we've seen this season. Um, granted, the 2016 season was inconsistent at, at sure. times as well. We got off to a rough start. But... I think I'm going to give that season as the uh, the best season in the Sadaki era. Look, if you if you look at the games played and the wins, look, a case can certainly be made this year in terms of the bigger name wins because you're talking about wins like you said over ranked teams like USC and Boise State. You also had the win at Tennessee where you're able to come back. So in terms of the the wins, maybe fans will remember. Like you, you may give the nod to this year, but but again, I just boil down to. A win today, or win uh, in in the bowl game, gives you eight. In 2016, you had you had nine. I I, I still think 2016 yep. so far would be the yes. better year. Because, like I said before, the losses were close and to good teams. Yeah. Whereas the losses this year were a little bit ugly and not too as high quality of opponents. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our next guest is excited to go back to the islands. I think he's been there a couple times recently in recruiting, uh, not to mention the bowl game coming up. His name is Fessy Satake, the wide receivers coach at BYU. Fessy, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Guys, thanks for having me. How many times have you been to Hawaii since the regular season ended? Um... Only once. Only once. Really? Yeah. 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 Once, I believe. Maybe twice, but everything's, yeah, I think, I think just once. What kind of frequent flyer miles do you get in the course of a, of a season? Uh, not, me, not enough, because <laughs> I, I, I just go to California mainly, but I need to start hitting Australia and the that's, Pacific that's Islands. The yeah. yeah. Route, right? Yeah, He's the guy so over there. I'll try and finagle my way into Hawaii, see if I can increase those miles. So. Awesome. We'll talk about the Hawaii Bowl in a second, but uh, <clears> let's talk about the two wide receivers that have signed so far. A third is expected here shortly. Uh, Cody Epps. This is a guy at uh, Modern Day. Big time stats, a senior. This is an incredible player that BYU's getting. Yeah, we're super fortunate to get him. He is a stat cheat filler. Um, broke records at one of the more historic high schools in the country, in all the country. And uh, he was able to, I think, put on a show this year and showcase what he can do against great competition. I think modern day is um, a, a, a great transition to BYU. Just the way it's set up in terms of the academics, um, the prestige of the school, the structure uh, is a lot more disciplined, I think, than your, your typical high school. And so I think that there'll be a smooth transition as well. Just aside from the, the football side of things, um, just really excited about the type of young man we're getting in him. Um, and I think he's going to be a great fit. How much do you see tr- this translate where players come from high school programs that you know, are these elite programs that play high-level football all the time. How, how much do you see that translate just because of the programs they're coming from? A lot, because they're, they're coming in with um, 
these uh, expectations that they've been that they've become accustomed to, you know, and, and the standards set really high at a lot of these programs. And so that's why for us as coaches, you know, we, we really look heavily into those schools that kind of have a history of, of sending off kids um, and, you know, that are ready to go. And it doesn't by no means doesn't mean I mean, we've signed guys who have come from, you know, high schools that, you know, aren't aren't uh, as well known or don't have that type of structure, but they're still great kids. And so it's important just for us to not just look at the, the prestige of the school but also the type of program that that head coach runs the type of culture that's there and so um but I, i've seen a lot of a carryover and and our goal is to keep getting guys you know from from that type of culture how'd the conversation start with cody epps and what ultimately convinced him to come here? well he um he's an interesting one we kind of knew about him just because he's at modern day you know and, and and uh a lot of good players there and he had a lot of early action a lot of um early attention there's some guys on his team that are are going to some some top programs but um he trains with a lot of um guys who have ties to BYU and so uh, we were able to get a couple tips about him and, and his uh, most recent uh, where he stands in recruiting. John Beck I know has knows a lot of people who uh, work with him as well kind of reached out a little bit. Coach Guilford um, has a really good friend who's the receivers coach there and so we just kind of had a, a, a handful of people who kind of just tipped us off and said hey this kid this kid could be a really really good fit at BYU because we knew what he was on film and so we just it just kind of sparked from there and took off and all, all came really fast and we're glad he he's putting it on in ink, ink today so another receiver with a great story you're talking about terrence fall this is a guy that is fairly new to the game yeah. fairly new to this country he's from france what can you tell everybody about terrence fall Unbelievable young man. The sky's the limit for him. Uh, football is, is is new to him. He's originally a soccer player. In fact, the reason they're in France, um, uh, his dad is from, I, I believe, uh, Mali. You know, he's, he's from West Africa and, and uh, um, went moved to France because he played soccer professionally there, which is where Terrence was born. His mom is, is full French um, and dad's from Africa. And so he grew up playing soccer and, and he just kind of wanted to fulfill his dreams. And so they moved him out to the States. His family's still back in France and he's living with a host family and um, English is, I think he speaks four languages and wow. he's of the Muslim faith and is just a great young man in every, every sense of the word. But I think he's going to be a great fit here. Um, and like I said, I'm just really excited to work with him and see if we can continue to keep him progressing um, at, at, uh, in this game. This is a place where there's a spot for everybody, and I think it's great that BYU is going to have one uh, player who is of the Muslim faith, as you mentioned, yeah. and who's French. Yeah. There's a spot for every different walk of life, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that was a big sell for him is, is he's used to being really uncomfortable, out of his comfort zone right now, being in, being in the States where he's not from, and I told him this is what BYU is going to be. You're going to be a minority in terms of your, your, your religion, um, in terms of your race, and, and just in terms of everything and, and but I think he thrives off of that and he excels and um, but he fits in so well and I know the players are going to embrace him and Cougar Nation will embrace him and he's um, like I said just really excited for um, his, his future. All he has to do is go into the Cougar and just say something in French and there'll be like 12 dudes that speak <laughs> French right now right, like help him or yeah, if he needs anything. I'll let back. him know. Let, tell, send me, let me know where the French people are. I'll There's send a French cl- You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This campus is bubbling. We'll get, him in, we'll get him in contact Bilingual. with Rudy Gobert. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a lot of people really excited about the quarterback, Soljay Mayava, a dual threat guy from Hawaii, went to the D.C. area. What can you tell everybody about Soljay? This this is a guy looks looks legit. Yeah, he's he's a heck of a player. Um, his stats, his film, all of that speaks for itself. Um, I think it's really cool. He's another one that he's 
born and raised in, in Hawaii in the North Shore, and, and now he goes out to the furthest east, you know, on the coast and plays at a private school and with just a completely different culture out there. But, it, and, but he thrived. And so it's another, another clear example of how he's going to – I think he's going to flourish here just because, um, you know, he, he knows how to handle being in, in different situations. So we're, we're really lucky to, to get him. You know, I know he was a huge part of the, the, the team's success this year, finishing 13th in the country and, and you know, was an well, a integral part in – and the success of that team. And so um, he was a big recruiter as well with his commitment early. He, he did a great job of helping lock up some of these other guys who came on the scene late, like Cody Epps. And, um, you know, those guys knowing that they're going to get a big-time player like this to potentially play with is, is a huge sell. So he did a great job helping us recruit as well once he kind of solidified his commitment. And did he go to uh, D.C. to just be able to pass the ball more since Kahuka's traditionally just a run-heavy offense? Is that the reason he went out there? I think that was part of it. There were multiple factors and, um, you know, that with his with his family involved. But I think part of it was just, yeah, getting to a, a place that, you know, when you're born and raised in, in Hawaii, there's um, you can only see and, and go through so much, you know. And so it was a good experience that I think kind of stretched stretched to his limits a little bit more. And, and um, so so I think there were other factors, but, but I think a big part was just the football side of things. I love it. His name too. It's yeah. unique. Soul Dash J. Yeah. Is there, is there a story behind that? Do we know? Uh, not that I know of. I'm sure there is, and I'm sure there is. So maybe once he gets here, I'm sure he'll be one of you guys' first on the show. We'll dig in. Break it yeah. down. I could make something up right now, but I don't want to disrespect. <laughs> so he's signed. No, you can't. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, a couple of running backs as well uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Bruce Garrett and Nukuluve Helu. Uh, who are running backs who will come in, and uh, one from Texas and one from Tooele. Yeah, we're excited. Bruce is awesome. He's the same. Another stat sheet, Phil, I think as a, last year's junior, rushed for over 2,000 yards. And, Impressive. Yeah, and in, in Texas, which obviously is really good football. I think they're playing this week in the state championship for 4A. He's still going. Yeah, he's still Go going. Ahead. He's still playing football. So um, it shows, obviously, that he's, he's a huge part of that, that team success. And so I think that's three, three state championships they've been to um, in a row. Um, so, so we're excited for him. He's, he's, he's going to be a great fit. And then uh, Nuka Luve as well. It's it's always great to get these these hometown kids um, and and Luve, what we call him, a, a happens to just be a a great talent as well. He's 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 actually family, um, not not just because he's Tongan, like he's legitimately family. And so we we're able to get a good uh, look at him as well and in depth and just how he is, you know, kind of how he was raised. And um, we're we're super excited. This kid's got a a, a great ceiling as well. So. You must like him if you know him and you signed him. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I can backfire but, on somebody. Yeah, well, but it gives us the freedom to me and Kalani kind of slap him around a little bit too <laughs> when, he, when he gets out of line with Ver- the parents' permission, yes, which we yes. got. We got their permission. Got so. the verbal permission. Yeah. Okay. Before we let you go, real fast, uh, bowl prep. How's bowl prep going? Awesome. Awesome. Team, uh, everyone's meshing well. We're getting really, really excited. Um, guys are getting their legs back and, and – um, that energy and that emotions building up for the game. So things are looking well. We can't can't wait. It's less than a week away. So and you guys uh, leave Friday, right? Yeah, leave okay. Friday morning first thing and go have some fun and continue to prepare and Christmas Eve. We'll see if we can get a good Christmas Christmas present going. So Absolutely, that'd be yeah. the best thing. Okay, yeah. well, exciting stuff. We appreciate the time, Fessy, Thanks, and Fessy. Uh, good luck to the uh, Weber State Wildcats tomorrow yeah. against James yeah. Madison. Right? Yeah, yeah. Go, go Weavers. Yeah, go Weaver. Let's yeah. go. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. 
Coming up next, Lopini Katoa. He's back at the top of the running back depth chart for the BYU football team. Katoa has rushed 74 times this season for 319 yards and four TDs. And he heads into next week's bowl game as the Cougars' second leading rusher this season behind Sione Finau. Unfortunately, Sione got hurt. He's going to miss, uh, obviously, a major chunk of next season. Before he set off for Hawaii, our very own Spencer Linton talked with Lopini in our all-access interview. Lopini, how would you explain the last two weeks between balancing football, bowl game preparation, and finals at BYU? Uh, it's a grind. I, it's, it's crazy. Like you got to be on top of it, um, but it's all worth it. And then, so, I don't know, just being able to keep the game in mind, you know, keep Hawaii in mind, getting me through finals week. Aside from football, what are you looking forward to most about making the trip out to Hawaii? I think just being able to, to know that my tests are done, like have that relief to know like I just get time to to spend with uh, my brothers and the seniors just the last time to be with them uh to enjoy it out in a in paradise it's gonna be really fun I know that uh, several of your teammates have used the phrase locked in because of what happening at San Diego State for the bowl game what does that mean to you being locked in for Hawaii I think just uh just I, I feel like we're just really hungry you know just um is my best way of explaining it just knowing that we we let one get away from us that, you know, we all felt like we should have had. Um, and that's on all phases of the game. And so everybody's, you know, locked in, like you said, to, to get those things right. How do you balance the distractions or potential distractions of the islands, the beaches, all of the fun things about Hawaii and making it uh, a quote-unquote business trip? Yeah, I think uh, Coach Sataka is doing a great job of, of putting that in our hearts and our minds. From day one of, of when we figured out we're going to go to Hawaii, he's just told us, like, you know, we're going out there to win a game. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing is to, to get a win. So we all have that mindset. What do you know about Hawaii's defense and what they're going to try and do to slow down the BYU offense? Uh, they're uh, physical defense, um, familiar with, like, their schemes from last year, but they, they're an improved team, I feel like, and um, they showed good things on film. Um, but I feel like we, we match up well against them. Um, if we play like we can, I think we'll have a, a good day on offense. How different or how much better is their defense this year compared to what you saw last year? Uh, I feel like they're, it, it shows on film just like how much they've improved. Um, last year they, they came into Provo um, pr- pretty well too. You know, they were good defense and, and we did good against them. So I think the biggest thing for us is just you know, no matter what to expect, we got to play our best um, because if we're, we're at our best, then we really have nothing to worry about. How would you sum up the collective running backs group right now in terms of health and being ready to go for the bowl game? Uh, we have, you know, a lot of guys who are ready to go. Um, and really in practice and in meetings, just noticing like we have more able bodies than, than really ever. Like, you know, with longer time, more people can heal up. And so we're going to have guys to be able to, to do what we want, really. Let's start with you. How are you feeling and how close to 100% are you at this point in the season? I'm good. Like, I, I was just thinking today, like this time last year, I was just trying to recover from a knee injury, so I feel really blessed. I feel really healthy, and so I'm just excited to leave it all on the field in Hawaii. Now, because you are healthy this time around, um, how do you not, and maybe this isn't a phrase that I should use, but how do you not psych yourself out for an opportunity like this? I think just, uh, I don't know, just not overthinking it, um, taking it one day at a time. I know if I take care of the little things like nutrition, sleep, um, treatment all those things that i'll be fine so those are this just sticking to the basics really who else is with you in the running backs room that uh, you expect to play against hawaii uh so we got tyler algier um 
Emmanuel um, is looking pretty good, uh, being able to, to return. And then Jackson, um, we got uh, Al- Alec Meza as well. Everybody's ready to go. So we have uh, a lot of bodies. <laughs> That sounds good to a lot of BYU fans and to you, I'm sure. Uh, Emmanuel Isupa is a name that you bring up that he, he's been uh, working through some injuries. What have you seen from uh, Soup that makes you think he'll be good to go in Hawaii? Uh, I just see, like, it was kind of, you know, just I'm not really sure exactly how it's all going with him, but, you know, he was running around today, looked good. It's just good to have him back out there. He's a good leader. Um, he's a physical presence. Uh, he's he's dominant player, so it's going to be exciting to see him go. What would eight wins this season mean to this program? And when you try and uh, look at taking an overall step forward as a program, uh, I think you know overall, like you said, that that would be a step forward from last year. Um, knowing that we could have you know had more, we were like right there with a lot of the games, um, with our strength of schedule to get eight wins. I, I think a lot of people didn't think we would have that many wins um, at the beginning of the season. So you know it's. It's it's awesome, but at the same time, you know we, we're hungry for more. Like eight is all good and everything, but we want to you know be double digits. We want to have that next step. It's pretty wild for me to think about the exchange we had following the tough loss to USF in Tampa after that game. Standing now where we are, including a five-game win streak. Um, what's been the biggest difference for BYU football turning things around this season? I think just uh, you know like you mentioned for our bowl game. Just the mentality switch, just being locked in, like really understanding that you know everything matters that we're doing. Um, the little things matter. If we let them slip, then we're gonna have the feeling that we had walking off of you know the field in Florida, and and that sick feeling is something we don't want to deal with anymore, and and definitely not something we want to feel out in Hawaii. So that's just our mindset. All right, Lopini, to finish up a couple of things. One, Melikalikimaka. And uh, two, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma, not just for the football game, but for your finals, man, to get through. Appreciate it. Thank you. Congratulations on a great season. Look forward to a big-time bowl game. Thank you. I don't know if you're in the same boat. You mentioned Christmas movies. I can't hear Meli Kalikimaka without thinking of uh, Christmas Vacation. I, I just think of the song. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. But it, yeah, yeah, and that's why, because it's in that movie. That's why, for some reason, I, that I have completely associated with uh, with Christmas Vacation. He's got to keep working on that one. <laughs> Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, BYU obviously has a few needs that they want to address. Some of these guys are going to make an impact in a few years. Some will make an impact as soon as January or even August in fall camp and next season, and that's the exciting part, perhaps a little bit later, perhaps never at all, but they'll provide depth and uh, have their chance to shine. Uh, We'll see. So we talked about some of the positions that BYU needs to address. Running back, receiver, and defensive back are certainly the three that pop out the most. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and we talked about the opportunity for for this signing class to uh, not only get young talent coming in out of high school, but the possibility of who knows down the road being able to get, you know, a grad transfer to be 
able to come into some of those positions, specifically at the running back position. So, I mean, those are all of the areas that this recruiting class really focused on heading into this signing period. No grad transfers expected today or the next two days, perhaps in the spring, uh, but there are some JUCO guys. So let's meet the signees, and we got to start with quarterback, right? Soljay Mayaba, quarterback, six foot one ninety, St. John's College High School. From Laie, Hawaii, played quarterback at Kahuku, but then went to Washington, D.C. to play for St. John's College because he wanted to pass the rock. This is a dual threat. He's the number 23 dual threat quarterback in the country by 24-7 sports. And this is a guy who in eighth grade was offered by Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. This is a really nice player for BYU quarterback. Yeah, and, and this this is a guy that, uh, as you mentioned, a, a true dual threat quarterback. He, he can excel at both and that just gives you so many more options uh, in what you can do with him as as a quarterback he's a guy that's expected to be here in August so this is a big big get for BYU they are extremely happy to have him committed LDS no mission plans and he adds to a quarterback room of three guys that are returning right we talked about Joe Critchlow perhaps not but of course you have Zach Wilson and uh Soljay Mayava reminds me of Jaron Hall a lot, by the way. I want to make that comparison. And, of course, Baylor Romney. You had Jacob Conover after his mission, after Zach Wilson is done. And you've got some talent. It is lined up for the next several years. And this has been a position that's never been a struggle for BYU per se. Right. But here we are with one of the greatest names in college football now. <laughs> Sol-J Mayava, Hawaiian kid who left Kahuku. Who leaves Kahuku to play somewhere else and get this passing experience? But that was the case for this guy. Recruited by Michigan, as mentioned, Oregon, Purdue, Virginia. He could have easily gone to Virginia. The LDS connection, ACC, Bronco Mendenhall, uh, Penn State was in the mix. Washington, Utah had interest as well. Um, This is a guy that was in the uh, final roster for the Elite 11. Uh, so certainly some talent. Six foot 190, so not the tallest dude, but the dual threat element is, is new. And when you look at Lamar Jackson, speaking of D.C. area, a guy that's changing the game, you don't have to be the big, strong-armed quarterback anymore to excel in college or the NFL. Well, and this is, uh, this is a kid that, uh, by all accounts, has taken the approach that a lot of recruits have done once you've committed to a school and decided that's where you're going to go you then go into recruiting yes, mode exactly. and it's been our understanding that he has been one of those guys that's called other other guys and said hey like i'm going like i would love come for you me. yeah, come let's with me let's this. see what we can do yeah. and you're starting to see that more and more and i think that that carries so much weight with these other players that not just because the coaches and the program want them, but you can see the teammates around you build those relationships before you even get here. I think that's a big deal. Soljay Mayava, quarterback. Next up, Cody Epps, wide receiver. This is an awesome player that BYU is getting. 5'10", 170, modern day high school out of L.A., three-star recruit. Listen to his senior stats, not his career in high school, senior stats. 93 catches, 1,735 yards, 28 touchdowns as a senior. Recruited by Oregon, Oregon State, USC, Washington, and others. This was the number one receiver on a really good pass-heavy team with uh, perhaps the nation's top quarterback as his guy in high school. Yeah, this is a guy that uh, they say is a, a precise route runner. And in high school, he was an inside receiver. Where the, he translates to BYU right now probably still remains unseen. Could be a possession guy here in Provo. At a minimum. Yeah, at a minimum. But yeah, this is this is a guy that the the... Coaches were 
over the moon with being able to get. They love this guy's potential. Super smart guy. Uh, Fessy Satake was his primary recruiter. We will ask Fessy about him specifically when we talk with Fessy coming up uh, a little bit later on. Uh, apparently, while he was on his official visit to, uh, to BYU, he got a phone call from Oklahoma in the middle of it. And, you know, you want, you want to... Take the call. I would take that phone call. You you take that phone call, (laughs) but he made it clear that he was going to BYU. And uh, this 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 is a guy. He's not an LDS kid. Uh, Does have familiarity though with uh, with the church and and certainly everything that will be involved in being in in Provo because he does have relatives who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Uh, But this is a big time get for BYU. Five ten one seventy. Cody Epps excited about him. Next up, another receiver. One of the best stories among the signing class. Terrence Fall, 6'2", 185, uh, from San Bernardino, California. That's where he went to high school. He's from France. He's French. He played football in France, then said, you know what, I need to get an experience in the States if I want a chance to perhaps play at the next level. And uh, played in California in San Bernardino. Um, Dad came in on a recruiting visit with the daughter, uh, able to make it. The dude is French, and he's going to play for BYU. This is great. Terrence Fall, wide receiver. Yeah, you mentioned uh, his dad, and uh, we were told that that his dad, a quote from his dad was this, and he meaning this BYU. He says, "This is what I dream of." So this is great. This was this is exactly the type of environment that this family wanted for for Terrence. And primary recruiters for for Terrence Fall were Gennaro Guilford, Fessy Satake, and A Rod. Those are the guys um, that that really focused on on Terrence Fall and this is a guy that you know caught the coach's attentions during the summer workouts and as you mentioned he's hasn't played football very long and you're coming from France he's been over in the United States for for one season in high school so there's certainly still a lot to learn but the coaches like what they see in terms of the raw ability and see look what they at can him do. on film he looks good he looks good 20 catches 252 yards three touchdowns and there is a place for all kinds of people at BYU. This is, Terrence is Muslim. His family is Muslim. I love this. I love that BYU has someone from a different country, from a different religious background, right? There is a place for people like Terrence Fall at BYU. And this is going to be fun to watch his career uh, at BYU. Fantastic. So quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver. Let's keep it going. Micah Harper, our next signee. Cornerback, 5'11", 170, out of Chandler, Arizona. Three-star recruit. Dad Kenny played at Hawaii. Actually picked off Ty Detmer and BYU three times in the game in 1990. Uh, and, and played quarterback this last season just to understand offense more. Like, I would love to be so good at something that you can just take a year off and go try <laughs> something else just to learn it. That's you know amazing. what I mean? That's unbelievable. And, and not just playing quarterback to play it, but apparently he did quite well as a quarterback. But he's, he's not coming as a quarterback. He's obviously coming on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, cornerback. Not to be confused with our friend Mitch Harper up at KSL, but we will do that over the next couple of years. So Micah Harper, cornerback, Chandler, Arizona. The Chandler pipeline continues. Going to Romney from Chandler and, and uh, others. So Micah Harper, cornerback. Another defensive back, cornerback specifically. Uh, his name is Jacques Wilson. No relation to Josh Wilson. We'll get to Josh in a minute. But there's a French kid. His name's Terrence Fall. It's not Jacques Wilson, who you <laughs> think would be the French kid. Uh, 5'11", 185, Juco guy at a West Los Angeles College. 
Culver City, California, a JUCO guy that uh, those guys are expected to come in and compete right away. Yeah, two years of eligibility, and the one thing that uh, was mentioned about Jacques is he is fast. He's a guy that you can expect to report to Provo coming up in August, and his primary recruiter was Gennaro Guilford, so this will be obviously one of the players that we asked Gennaro about when he joins us coming up. Not the LDS, uh, we'll play right away, no mission plans, 10, uh, six, 700 meters, so you talked about that speed. Uh, he's a guy that uh, has returned kicks, uh, so that's an option as well. Jacques Wilson, which is uh, exciting, uh, and and Gennaro harvesting uh, the type of player he was, right? A guy out of Southern California with some speed that can play on the edge, and uh, you always need those guys for BYU as they do have some young talent, BYU that is, at corner, but you can always use a guy like Jacques Wilson, that's for sure. Let's continue. Skill position player Bruce Garrett, running back, 5'11", 205, Pleasant Grove High School, no not from Utah, Texarkana, Texas, Pleasant Grove edition, three-star recruit. And this is a guy that put up, uh, as a junior, 2,000 rushing yards. Yeah, and he, this is a guy that can get bigger. Uh, he, We were told he's kind of like a, a Jackson McChesney type runner. He's First UMass version? <laughs> yeah, he, he's a track guy, and, and he can get bigger. He's 205 now, but they're expecting him to be able to add more weight and still be able to maintain that speed. Uh, Eric Mateos was his primary recruiter there in uh, Texarkana, Texas. 4540, love it. Bruce Garrett, a guy out of Texas, and you love, uh, you love a Texas football player. Here he is at Cowboy Stadium. Look at this. Here he is at Cowboy Stadium racing into the end zone. I like what I'm seeing. This is, this is nice. Uh, in Jerry's world. So uh, awesome to have Bruce Garrett running back, 5'11", 205. He's going to come in and uh, play this fall. Uh, next up, another running back, Nukuluve Helu, uh, 6'1", 195 from Tooele High School, Tooele, Utah, three-star guy. Uh, had uh, over 2,000 uh, rushing yards in his career in high school, 29 touchdowns, LDS mission plants at some point. So he could be in camp in August. Yeah, and he projects as a bigger back. So there's certainly an opportunity for him to be able to get bigger. Listed right now at 6'1", 195. But this is a guy that can add more weight. He is definitely a north-south runner. And he adds to a, an already talented and young running back group as well, yep. which is exciting. So BYU continues to add uh, these guys at running back. And as we saw this year, you need several good running backs because it's a tough schedule. It's bruising. Injuries happen. And uh, good to have uh, Halu in the mix at running back. And last but not least, of the signees who have signed so far, as they come in, we will announce them as well. Josh Wilson. Uh, the younger brother of Zach Wilson, linebacker, six foot two ten, Corner Canyon High School state champs. Those guys were incredible this year. Extremely talented. Draper, Utah, three star recruit. Yeah, this is a guy that just has the nose for the ball. Where wherever the ball is, you'll usually find Josh Wilson. Uh, likely flash linebacker, or or at least has the opportunity at his size to be able to fit into that position if that's the way uh, the coaches want to want to go. Smart player, obviously, really tough. Uh, right now, no mission plans for for Josh. And listen to his stats. He reminds me of Zane Anderson when he was a safety right turn linebacker this past season. 130 tackles, nine for loss, six sacks, four picks. Two fumble recoveries, three defensive touchdowns. So a stat stuffer that, as you mentioned, Wills is a heat-seeking missile to the ball, makes plays, fantastic uh, player for BYU, and obviously having Zach and Josh is a pretty cool story on the same team. So, so far, those are the guys that have signed. And again, this is uh, day one of three during this early signing period. And then February 5th, BYU will complete the class with more players. So uh, getting some of these guys signed. But what do you think of this group right now that BYU signed so far? Well, certainly we talked about what, what, the, what the coaches 
went out with in terms of these are the types of positions, types of players that we want. Based off of the guys that have signed, looks like the coaching staff has done a really good job of finding the guys that will fit exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, so far so good, and it uh, keeps coming. Our question of the day, what's the immediate need for BYU to address in this year's recruiting class? At CL underscore living on Twitter, a running back. I would especially like one named Williams. That's been a good fit in recent <laughs> years. Perhaps, uh, yeah, you, you can always just nickname the guy Williams if you want, right? Uh, Jesse Williams. Speaking, speaking of. on of. Facebook, what? Uh, we need defensive ends that can set the edge and pressure the quarterback. Without this, our defense is crippled. I think BYU's got some talent in the mix. And again, if you don't see something that you wanted to see in this signing class, again, it's just part one of two. In February, BYU will complete the class with the rest of it. You know, the other thing that, that stands out to me is certainly at BYU, you are going to get a lot of players who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But one of the things that stands out with at least some of the guys that have already committed is you have a lot of non-LDS players. And I think that is so important for BYU. And I think that's a fantastic sign that you're seeing a lot of players who don't necessarily have the, the Mormon, the LDS background committing to BYU. I think that says a lot about the program and a lot about these young men. And there are some who are signing who will be more announced after sure. their missions. Also, we will tell you later in the program who the mid-year additions are, some transfers, some returned missionaries as well who will add to the mix. And there's an argument that uh, you know some guys right out of high school already, some guys off a mission, it takes a minute, but some of those guys yep. will make an impact as well. So uh, some fresh blood for BYU. Continue to weigh in, Twitter, Facebook, and The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hey, let's play Would You Rather. Let's do it. It's Would You Rather on BYU Sports Nation. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Jerem, first one. Would you rather BYU's offense put up 400-plus total yards or BYU's defense hold Hawaii to 10 points or fewer? 400 is not a ton of yards, so 10 points, clearly. Uh, Hawaii is coming off of a uh, 10-point performance against Boise State. That was a season low. BYU coming off of a season low three, by the way, against San Diego State. Didn't BYU put up like 400 yards against San Diego State and lose with only three points? 400's not, 400's a, a, it's a decent amount. It's not like amazing, right? Um, and it's more about points. I will go 10 or less. In fact, Hawaii has not won a Hawaii Bowl where they didn't score at least 40. So hold Hawaii it's, it's to under 30, 40, and that's lost, your winning formula? <laughs> they've lost every game where they scored 35 and under. <laughs> yes. Uh, hold, hold the Rainbow Warriors to under 40, and you'll probably win the game. That seems like a good formula. Um, I would rather BYU's defense hold the Hawaii to 10 or fewer. Uh, as excited as BYU fans got about Zach Wilson going 18 for 18, BYU fans against this Hawaii offense in Hawaii to win an eighth game holding the Rainbow Warriors to 10 points or fewer. That would be incredible. That would be an incredible storyline. 13th in total offense, 6th in passing. <sighs> That'd be a big deal. Yes. Okay, would you rather Zach Wilson go 18 for 18 on Tuesday or Yoli Childs gets a triple-double tomorrow against Weber State? Uh, that's easy. Zach Wilson go 18 for 18. Me too. No it's, contest. It's a Weber State. Now, if BYU were playing like Kansas or somebody. Or Kentucky. Utah beat Kentucky. How did <laughs> that happen? Which is good for wow. BYU's uh, net ranking, by the way. BYU into the top 40 Ken Palm ratings. They're number 38. Let's go. They're number 30 in the Basketball Power Index. As good as it's been for, for BYU and for Yoli Child since he returned. 18 for 18 in the bowl game. 
would do way more for the overall status of BYU football and the athletic program than Yoli Childs putting up a triple-double against Weaver State. Yes, 18 for 18 for sure. <clears throat> what was more impressive about what Zach Wilson did in Boise, though, was what he did with it. It was 300 yards passing, right? It, 18 is not a lot of completions. And four touchdowns. Right. That's what matters, the points. BYU uh, got, what, to high 40s in that one, which is awesome. So They were losing 10 to 7 at halftime. Listen, triple doubles are awesome, but they're more awesome when you're bored, right? Yeah. The Kyle Collinsworth triple-double thing was awesome because we had some context of these boring games with Pacific and Pepperdine <laughs> in January and February. Come on. All right. Next one, Jerem. Uh, this one is especially for you because it centers on the rise of Skywalker. Would you rather attend a traditional Hawaiian luau tonight mm-hmm. or go see Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker while you're in beautiful Hawaii? Well, I can go to a luau any night that I want to here. But can you go to Hawaii anytime? Yeah. Yeah, I can. And, and you can't see Star Wars anytime you want? Uh, not the opening night. <laughs> so... Tonight, I'm going to Star Wars at 7.30. That's incredible. You don't want to sell your ticket and, like, go later? Jeremy, I can go to the luau tomorrow. <laughs> I can go to the luau Monday or Tuesday. It comes out technically today. Uh-huh. I got to see it today. I thought about going last night. but Yeah, I, why didn't you see it last night? Because it came out just, Thursday night. Just too tired. You're too tired. It technically comes out today. You're right. I could have gone last night. I knew I'd be tired. Listen, I checked into the hotel. I was done. I was ready. Which is funny. Why do we get tired on an airplane just sitting down? I don't know. It's not like we're exercising or running it's somewhere. Well, the stress of traveling in general I ain't kind stressed. of spends energy. I don't have to change my kid's diaper on this trip. You know, you know what, what I mean? Yeah, you know what? You don't have an excuse because I yeah. literally got to the hotel and crashed and woke up two and a half hours later to get ready for this show. <laughs> we were up and at him at uh, 4.40 in the lobby. Let's go, so man. What I'm saying is you could have gone to Star Wars last night and probably still been in bed before me last night. Yeah, well, I chose not to. I'm going tonight. <laughs> I'm going tonight. Chewie's angry, man. Well, I, listen, we're going to the Polynesian Culture Center today. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. <laughs> We're here, we're here and through Tuesday night. We're ready to get back for Christmas Day. This is the best thing ever. I great. love it. It's great. Okay. Now, this, is, this, might be the greatest, this might be the greatest week for you ever. Next to your wedding week, this might be the greatest week for you ever. Star Wars and your first trip to Hawaii. Like, what's, what's, going, yeah, to beat that? what's going to beat that? Uh, BYU getting a Power 5 invite, probably? That's, sorry, I'm not Jason. <laughs> that would be great. I would, lo- I would love to be 6-6 six and six every year in the Pac-12. That'd be great. We've been talking a lot about the net rankings and these team sheets and the breakdown. Well, we're going to give you the 101 discourse once again. There are 353 NCAA basketball teams in the country. BYU right now, according to the net rankings, is ranked number 42. That's good. The Cougars are 2-3 and three in five games against quad one competition. Now, the quad one competition essentially means the elite of the elite. It's if you're 1-30 to 30 at home, 1-50 to 50 on a neutral site, or if you beat somebody 1-75 to 75 on the road, that qualifies as a quad one win. Yes, so they break them down, and the sorting tool is net rings. It used to be RPI, but RPI stinks. So <laughs> we mentioned it earlier, BYU 2-3, and three, as you said, in quad one games. That's really good. BYU is the only team to play five and win at least two. So those wins uh, are uh, Houston and Utah State. Utah State's added into that. But this is fluid because weekly, I believe, these net rankings will come out, and this will continue to be uh, fluid and evolve. They take into account KPI, strength of record, ESPN, BPI, Ken Palm, Sagarin, these metrics. Um, 
weigh heavily in this, yet at the end of the day, the committee can value the eye test, can value whatever metric they want. BYU has played a tough schedule. In fact, they played the eighth toughest schedule in the country, D1 only. Mm. So that's awesome. And that's what Gonzaga and St. Mary's have not done. Yeah. And BYU will be va- evaluated for that. I think BYU is really good post Yoli Childs, and I think Jeff Goodman's qu- Goodman questioned that. I think BYU will be evaluated post Yoli Childs. Okay. The Athletic has BYU as the fourth-ranked mid-major team, one spot ahead of fifth-ranked St. Mary's. Gonzaga is not listed as a mid-major, so um, they're well, they're the number one team in America, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they're major. <laughs> That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.